This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we have some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode two, Mise en Place of Delivery. Good morning, Sharon. Ready to get going? Hey, Noel. Good morning. Good morning. Guys, today we have a special guest, Noel Warnell. Noel is the delivery director for Reason. He has 20 years of experience for, of project delivery. 11 of those are with Agile Teams. He thrives on creating memorable experiences for colleagues and clients through coaching, facilitation, drawing, mentoring, speaking, and writing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Quite an introduction. I've just realized how old that makes me sound as well. 20 years of experience. (laughs) Not at all. It's wisdom. There you go. Oh, yes. I like that. Oh, 20 years of wisdom. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've got 20 odd years on my headline on LinkedIn. Feel no (laughs) shame. Have pride. Absolutely. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice. No, mise en place is a discipline that mm. chefs use, right? To prep their equipment, their ingredients before cooking. What made you think of this culinary analogy in relation <laughs> to delivery? Um, I, I was intrigued when you told me about it. Please share it with our listeners. Yeah. So first of all, probably an apology to anyone who's a French speaker, because we're probably all pronouncing it completely incorrectly. (laughs) But um, mise en place is um, it's it's a concept that was brought to me by someone I'm currently working with who used to work in hospitality. And uh, he was telling us how hours before they open the doors to the restaurant, that there are a number of people in the kitchen preparing different vegetables and different uh, elements of the menu uh, well in advance so that by the time people actually come in to eat, they're a lot better prepared, very well organized, and the process of actually serving the customers and creating the meals for the customers is easier. Mm. So it resonated with me because I think um, sometimes with delivery, people think that it's very much you know when when something needs to be done then you jump in and you do it um but actually there's a huge amount of benefit in that preparation um and there's a few different elements there i think because the focus is on the outcome straight away Mm. so you're already thinking about making it a really great experience for whoever's going to benefit from from that um you are trying to refine the process and optimize and make it as efficient as possible for the team doing the work. Excuse me. And also, um, I think it's the teamwork that it requires. So it's a very deliberate conversation and collaboration with the people who are preparing and who are going to be serving the customers to work together and to, you know, yes, everyone's got their own individual role, but it's only when it all comes together and they're working collaborative that you really get the benefit. So that's that's what it made me think of it. I thought it was quite a nice little analogy. I like it. It there's a measuredness, a connectedness about it. 
um, a mindfulness about actually preparing all the elements that we would prepare for a delivery, right? Mm. It's a very deliberate act yeah. of creating that time before it's potentially needed just to make sure you've got everything that you, you might need. Um, yes, yeah, so you, you're coming in a bit like a Boy Scout. Be prepared, <laughs> or a girl guide. Yeah, I love that analogy, Noel, and it's one that's very memorable. And like Nisha said, it's very uh, deliberate, mm. isn't it, to putting in that preparation before we uh, kick off. So, following on from that, what would you say are some of those kind of key ingredients to build those successful delivery practices from your experience? Hmm. I think there's clarity. I think what's important is to get clarity on what is meant by delivery in the context that you're in. So what the three of us are talking about in terms of delivery might actually be quite different in terms of what we what we believe delivery to be. Mm -hmm. So I think an important ingredient is definitely making sure that everyone has a shared narrative and a shared terminology so that in in that context everyone's clear on on what they mean and what the goal is so i think that that probably that is the key thing is that um shared language and a, a common understanding of their context no that's um that's a really great point because you you're right so potentially the three of us could have a different interpretation because we do different things so um mm. yeah so i think that's a really good one to start with getting that clarity in the team yeah thank you yeah it could be business change it could be tech i remember being around numerous roundtable conversations with everyone that we believe is involved in a wide program or project from business users to exec etc and it can get so easily dismissed when you're talking about a program as a whole oh that's just the delivery arm oh that's just delivery <laughs> go ahead and and, and deliver that but I mm. think it, there there needs to be a, a deeper level of discussion, a space created for that discussion to say, actually, you know, these are those elements of delivery that need to be pulled together. Mm. Yeah. What is what are the things that are on your menu as an organization or as a team? Yeah. Because you can't do everything for everyone. Um, so let's agree. What are the what are the things that we offer as a team um, and kind of create that that menu of options? We're going to take this analogy quite far, aren't we? I yeah. Like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's such a good one. It's uh, it's really cool. I love it. And, and also, we can take it away and use it. I believe on a daily basis, um, uh, just to bring it back to the basics that need to be in place, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you get colleagues outside of engineering teams now within customer services, sales, marketing, on board to understand the impact? of what's being developed and involve them because that side of it can sometimes get overlooked in the rush for delivery. Yeah, I think, I think that the rush for delivery is, is problematic in many ways. Um, but when it comes to bringing other people along that journey, it's again, it's about that collaborative mindset and that deliberate um, act of getting people involved throughout that journey and bringing people into conversations as early as possible, um, including delivery. Delivery should absolutely not be getting involved when something is ready to go into development, uh, for taking the example of software. 
you know, delivery teams should be involved in the discovery mm. and the, you know, even the business case uh, writing of, of these things so that everyone's, yeah, everyone's on that journey together. Everyone's got that shared context. And I guess when you talk about um, having other people involved, it reminds me of uh, a waterfall project where people do their bit and then they pass it off to someone else. And that, as as we've learned over the last 50 odd years, is, is quite problematic and um, high risk. And so, yeah, I would remind people just that whoever is likely to be involved at any point in the journey should be identified as quickly as possible at the very beginning and brought into the conversation. It doesn't mean everyone has to be involved in every conversation, but it just gives... Um, it means there's less surprises, which is always good. Uh, no surprises end game. That's the usual catchphrase <laughs> of mine um, okay. at work. I didn't know that. Yeah, ah. no surprises end game. That's what you want, right? It's worst scenario for us as, as delivery team leads or you know, if you're leading that delivery effort is a business user or, or someone that that is going to be experiencing the impact, let's say, of that change on a regular basis, coming away thinking, I could have had better input into this or if I had mm. had earlier input mm. into it. Mm. Yeah, completely totally agree. agree. Yeah, and from a PMO perspective, again, you need to warm people up. They don't like it if suddenly you're, <laughs> you know, delivering those messages that actually this project's uh, tracking red and it's surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even if, it's, even if it's going really well and you're really excited about what you've built and what you want to show to the stakeholders or mm. customers, um, you know, maybe there's a temptation to do this big reveal when everything's ready and, you know, ta-da. But, you know, then if someone turns around and says, oh, well, hang on, what about X? Or, you know, great, I love it, but I was thinking there might be, you know, something else. It's it's too late. So, yeah, yeah just getting everyone involved as early as possible. Great. Yeah. So, Noel, um, how do you think the way in which we can prepare for delivery influences things like continuous integration and uh, deployment and the spirit of innovation? Mm. Great question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference a term that I only learned last week um, from uh, Francis Lallemand, who's a fantastic teacher and facilitator. Um, and that it's I think it's really important to have an MVB which is a minimum viable boundary so from a delivery perspective and from a PMO perspective and in terms of process and governance and rigor that you want to put in place to provide the quality for, for the work that we do actually trying to find that balance of just enough mm. versus too much um, we're to the point where it starts to slow things down and get in the way is really important so um, yeah I think this is definitely something that I'm going to be exploring and reminding myself of is what's the what's the the minimum amount of uh, constraints and boundary that you can put around a project or a program or a team that ends up providing enabling constraints as opposed to governing constraints if that makes sense. It does, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And that's kind of the approach that I take uh, with the program manager where I am now. 
it's not about constraining, like you say. It's, it's making sure there's the right amount of governance, but we still need to make sure that we're enabling delivery and not, to, not being a blocker. So, mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and it's such a fine balance to find. It's, it's really tricky. Um, but in line with what we've said earlier, the more conversations that you have earlier with the more people that are involved, the easier that's going to be because everyone's aligned on what you're trying to achieve and where everyone fits in. So it's much easier to to figure that out as opposed to sitting on your own and, and telling people what you believe is true. And people don't respond that way as well, right? You're never going to get such a 100% receptive audience if you're saying, this is the direction I'd love you to go in. This is a vision that I see for us as a delivery team or, or you know, the business users that you're involved with, your key stakeholders. They want to be part of that journey. They want to actually be part of framing the direction that you go in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to get so much better... Uh, longer term relationships um, by doing that for sure and good business good delivery it's all about relationships yeah absolutely mm. yep. have you ever found yourself in a situation now let's say I know I think you're going to say yes to this because I, I don't know any delivery lead manager that hasn't but well let's explore it okay um <laughs> Before you started working with teams, let's say there's a scenario where they have traveled a thousand miles an hour to get a framework in place, okay? Uh, their ways of working, their tech architecture is in place for that super quick product delivery. But some of those key ingredients are missing. Hmm. What steps do you advise, going back to the culinary um, analogy that we have, to fold those key ingredients back in. Mm, see what you did there. Yeah. Very nice. Smooth. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a bit of a trigger in there for me, which is that the, um, the rush, you know, going a thousand miles an hour to get the framework in place. It's like context is king and that's not always going to be appropriate. You know, good, good delivery and good practice, whether that's agile practice or otherwise, mm. takes time. Yeah. And yeah. you have to live it and, and understand it and do it in order to get better at it. And um, so I think, you know, for me, part of my stance is actually this isn't something to be rushed. And if you do rush it, okay, then there's probably a cost to that and there's probably going to be some unpicking of that at some point mm. um, but if you do find yourself in that scenario and I have previously um, then there's kind of a very straightforward set of things that I would do which have helped me okay. um, so I'll offer those and maybe maybe they would help other people but um, there's a bunch of other stuff as well of course so for me it's really important to visualize the flow of work mm. So if you've got um, a program or a project or a team that are doing a certain thing, it's like, well, how does work come in to that? And how does work, you know, when does work finish or when does work go out from that team or project or program? And to map that out and have some kind of visual representation of that is super powerful because everyone can see what's going on. 
And again, that takes a bit of time and it encourages this collaboration. But if you can map it out, even just with post-its on a wall or on a virtual whiteboard, um, it's super powerful. Um, so I would always try and start with something like that um, because once you then start to interrogate that and look at it, you can identify those gaps so you can see the missing ingredients to your point, Nisha. Um, and you can start to um, see maybe there's some bottlenecks, maybe there's too much of one ingredient. Maybe you've got all the right ingredients, but there's, you know, too many, too many eggs <laughs> going into the pot. Um, but you can, once you can see it, yes, you can start to identify the gaps and the bottlenecks. And again, if you're doing this collaboratively, everyone's got that visibility and everyone's got that shared understanding. Um, and the third thing... And actually, this probably applies quite nicely to the to the analogy that we're using, and that is the idea of um, having an experimental approach to solving those problems mm -hmm. and to fill in those gaps. So, chefs typically um, are very experimental. You know, they're always tinkering with little spices and flavors and quantities. Um, portion sizes and the balance of the different foods combined together with the wine and you know there's so many different combinations and possibilities and and chefs are generally are very embracing of that and I think that's something I would encourage as well is once you've identified where there might be an opportunity for an improvement or there's something missing that you want to add in is to yeah have an experimental approach to testing that out and not assuming that you're going to know the answer straight away. But what's a quick, easy thing? What's a little entree that you can you can create <laughs> to see whether to see whether it works? <laughs> I like that. I really like that. And that encourages team members to actually speak up, to take ownership, mm. to say, I actually I feel comfortable in putting forward solutions. Don't know how they're going to work. Let's try it out. It's a spirit of let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. This thing might work and make us better mm. as a team, right? Yeah. And it encourages more than one idea. Yeah. So, you know, you could end up with two or three ideas. Great. Which one do we want to test first? Or do we want to test them all at the same time? It's that that is where you really start to get into that innov innovation space. Mm. Um, you know, A, B testing, um, different, yeah, which is the winner? You know, let's let's mm. actually get direct feedback from the consumer to figure out which one lands best. Mm. Um, so it encourages people to innovate, to have multiple ideas. Uh, it encourages people to be, to hold those ideas less tightly yes. because they might not be the one that, mm -hmm. that lands mm -hmm. best. So, yeah, I think that's, I think it's great. Yeah. And it's, the, and I really, go on. Uh, sorry, Sharon. I was, I was just going to say, I liked your point about making sure that we are visualizing that flow. Um, I find that once things are made visual, people really connect to it and tend to have a better understanding mm -hmm. of what <laughs> we're delivering. Yeah. So I do think that is a, an important point there. Yeah. yeah, and it takes the emotion out of it. It's not what someone thinks is happening. Um, and you may, maybe you've got someone with a really strong opinion. No, that's not what we do. We do this. Well, once you've worked with everyone to map it out, there is no further kind of emotive element to that conversation. It's based on the, the data, if you like, mm -hmm. um, and, and what's there in front of you. So it changes the focus of that conversation as well. Mm. So, no. 
behind you we can see a vast amount of books and you <laughs> told Nisha and I that you really love reading. So what uh, book recommendations have you got for us so we can learn more on the topic? <laughs> um, I have got a couple of recommendations, um, but it was interesting because I don't have any books specifically around delivery, mm. um, although... Because I think delivery is a very broad topic. Um, yeah, you know, delivery should cover multiple elements as opposed to anyone kind of pigeonholing it into a certain box. Mm -hmm. But um, so there, there could be lots of things that are relevant. But just kind of in line with some of the stuff we've been talking about today, there's a couple that I'd recommend. One is called This Is Lean. Mm. Um, and it's by... Well, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the names of the, the I think there's two uh, Swedish or Nordic guys who've written this book and it talks all about uh, flow, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the elements that we've spoken about today. And I think it's just really important from a delivery perspective to understand yeah, how, how work flows through a system mm -hmm. and how you can look to measure that and optimize that. So I think that's a really great book um, that I would recommend. And the second one uh, is Thinking in Systems by Donella Meadows. Okay. And again, the reason I think that's a really good book for people involved in delivery space is because it encourages you to step back from you know, any individual thing that's going on at any point in time. Uh, it's really easy sometimes to kind of get sucked into that sometimes for days or weeks um, it, and even for the team to do that to just kind of really narrow their focus um, which at times might be relevant but generally speaking could be quite dangerous so this book helps us to understand that there's always something bigger at play mm -hmm. there's always a bigger picture and there's always other elements going on around us that are impacting us and other things and that you know we as a team as a program as a project uh, or just part of something bigger um, and actually yeah I've found that really powerful actually for myself to um, as a, just a really good reminder that there's there's a lot of other stuff going on here and don't get too kind of self-indulgent <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's the thing about projects right you can get that's the danger you're having a great time with your team you're delivering your inner rhythm and that's wonderful but you can get a little have that little tunnel vision I think mm. um, sometimes there is a danger of that have you done one of your great visual uh, representations of this book no because that would be really cool. Ah, um, for one of them I have actually, yes, yeah, systems, thinking in systems I have. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so happy to share that. Nice. Because I see those <laughs> popping up on my feed from time to time and they are yeah. a really good way of appreciating the essence of what's in a, in a book. Um, so, yeah. yeah like it ah, good yeah i'm glad you like yeah, it yeah for sure um that kind of leads me on i think nicely to the next question around resistance so there are times mm. when you can get that level of resistance at different levels within within organizations maybe at exec level maybe at the team level um within within your approach how do you manage um that that resistance so that it doesn't become a, a huge boulder 
or a blocker in the path of the the team needing to do what they need to do mm -hmm. yeah great question um so for the way i would approach that is with curiosity okay um so what and and I'm trying to be um have the empathy f and, and figure out what is it that's causing that resistance it could be um it could be something specific to an individual it could be past experience mm -hmm. um it, it, there's so many different things it could be a, a bad project that was looked a little bit like this one that you know had a bad impact on a similar group of people in the past um there could be so many reasons where that resistance is coming from so I would actually, <laughs> I would actually reference another book um, that I read recently, "Humble Inquiry" okay. by Ed, Edgar Sheen. Um, he talks about here and now humility, with humility being uh, putting the importance on someone other than yourself and making them, you know, have a higher status. So I think whenever I've experienced resistance, being willing and open to probe and ask questions in order to have that empathy and that find that understanding um can actually be the start of a really nice relationship mm -hmm. um but yeah i think if we go into these things thinking we're right they're wrong is very dangerous so yeah empathy curiosity humility mm, yeah. <laughs> that's really good i like that you said the, the curiosity and having empathy because you're right, we might actually learn and uncover what actually are they resistant to. And it could be actually something that's very valid and needs addressing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, Noel, um, have you worked with, uh, or how have you worked with PMO teams to ensure that they kind of build the correct delivery foundation too and, uh, you know, are supporting the teams uh, set up for successful delivery? Mm. I've had mixed experiences with PMO um, so let me talk about the two extremes um, sure. so one extreme is where I have to fill in or uh, the team have to fill in spreadsheets upon spreadsheets at the end of every sprint um, in order to you know just list out what we've done why we've done it how we've done it um, how quickly we've done it um, it just feels like process for the sake of process or you know tracking that i've never that never kind of comes back to any meaningful conclusion or no decisions get made off the back of it so wherever i've experienced frustration and where teams i've worked with have experienced frustration is when the there's real overhead on kind of admin that just feels that there's very low value in it um, so that that can be su super frustrating. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, I, I'd bring it back to that MVB and that, uh, you know, kind of open mindset of people to provide enough constraints so you they make it really clear what they need and why they need it and how that helps you and how it helps them. Um, you can have a good conversation about that, but it, it's it's enabling as opposed to constraining and it helps you understand how you fit into the bigger picture mm. as opposed to just jamming a load of process down your throat. <laughs> I love that bit, jamming process down your throat. <laughs> because it's, um, I think from my perspective, it's absolutely not about that. And it's value add. 
So if mm. you just kind of getting people to fit in a bunch of spreadsheets, like you say, it doesn't circle round, it's not revealing anything. Mm. I think we ought to question why are we doing this? Mm. Yeah. You know, where, where's the value? So it should be value add for sure. Yeah. And I think one thing that I haven't experienced, but I'd love to see is where um, a PMO a PMO person actually becomes part of the team. And that doesn't need to be full time. It could be a day a week. But you've got, yeah, you've got members of your PMO team, if you've got one, um, that are aligned to teams that are doing uh, build work or delivery work. And, you know, you've got direct contact. You've got, um, yeah, just that shared relationship that doesn't feel like a them and us. It's actually let's let's get together and typically that whenever that happens when whenever you bring anyone into the team even if it's on a part-time basis when the depth of understanding grows then that leads to more of the innovation we were talking mm -hmm. about so maybe they will yeah. recommend changes to their process or they'll add things into their process that they didn't have before but it comes from a place of understanding it's so true and Anisha and I have kind of spoken about this because this is the approach that I prefer to take. Mm. So on uh, the programs that I'm working on now, I embed myself in the team because Great. I feel like the way to add the most value to you is for me to understand what kind of discussions are we having on the daily stand-ups, what's being raised in the retros. That's really how you can get a, a really solid understanding of the delivery, which is very difficult to do if you're mm. not part of the team, in, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And just to pick up on something you said there, Sharon, around the the daily stand-ups and the mm -hmm. retros. So that sounds very much like a scrum-type situation. Yes. Um, and and typically we see that um, when stuff is in the build phase. You know, there's the development happening on a software project, typically. Um, but just to be clear, for, for me, when we're talking about delivery, it's much broader than that. So it's yeah. not, you know, yes, there's a key element of delivery when you get to software development and build, but delivery actually should cover the whole spectrum of the project life cycle. Um, and I think, you know, whether we talk about delivery or we talk about agile, the same thing applies that the, the yeah, it, it should sit as early as possible in that process and go all the way through to the end. Yeah, I yeah, think like agree. the PMO side of things, if, if applied correctly, they could actually be the projects or the programs, eyes or ears from mm. in the rest of the organization. But not only that, if you've got a huge uh, customer base, for example, and you want to track how things land, PMO could eventually open out. And I know that's the, the core around and the core idea around agile PMO is that you know they can track how well what you're applying and what you're uh, you're supplying to customers is actually landing to feed that back into the delivery process and that pipeline um i'd mm. like to see that um as well kind of applied you know really well places that are doing it well pl uh, places that maybe are not um and are starting off on that journey but i i feel like the area of pmo with regards to delivery is there's so much scope um, of, mm. of good work that can be done there. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree. And I think it would, it, it, if you've got people that are actually embedded in the team, it becomes less about the PMO function mm. and it becomes much more about the team and what's right for the team. 
Um, some of the things that you mentioned around kind of return on investment and getting the value and seeing how it's landing with customers, everyone in the team should care about that. Yeah. Um, you you yeah. should have uh, a product owner or product managers if you're working uh, in agile teams or agile programs who, you know, that's that's really their bread and butter. Mm. You know, they should be they should be all over that. Um, and that's not to say PMO shouldn't be involved in that. Great, but. Um, it, it's not necessarily one or the other. It's it's finding out when you come together as a team what's most appropriate in that situation for that product and that mix of people and that organisation. It's it's always going to be different. Mm. But yeah, the the collaboration and the uh, cross functionality, I guess we we talk about often, mm. is is really important. Talking about the in terms of the collaboration, no, there's we've already established there's lots and lots of different parties that will be involved in a delivery effort. Often you'll be working with some third party suppliers who may have again their own methods or them, their own uh, frameworks that are that they are used to delivering in. Some are open um, to to all you know adapting. Um, some less so maybe. How do you make sure when you're working with the third party suppliers that um, you know they are they are bought in to that delivery effort um, and and yeah feel like part of that team? Mm. Yeah, it's super important um, that that visualization type activity that we spoke about earlier. They should absolutely be part of that um, when. If you're doing any team formation activity, so um, it might be that you're bringing a group of people together for the first time to work on a on a project, and that as a result of that, you would I would even go as far as to say you should s spend some time to actually bring those people together as humans mm. before you even start talking about the work and do some team formation activities. And absolutely any third party suppliers, any um, any uh, contractors that might be external, um, you might sometimes end up even with a blended team where you've got like half of half of the people at the company you work with and half people from an external supplier. So it's super important that actually that team formation involves anyone who's going to be part of it day to day, um, regardless of where they are and whether they're permanent, whether they're contract, whether they're internal, external. That for me is super important because that's a real opportunity to, to build those fundamental human relationships mm -hmm. that will serve the team and the projects throughout. So yeah, I would always push to, to get all of the appropriate people into that team formation and, and don't sell it short. You know, it's not a nice to have for me. It's a must have, mm -hmm. you know, that is your starting point. That's, that gives you your baseline. Um, so without that, and when I've experienced it before, where we haven't allowed or been given time for that, you again, you pay the price for that later on. Yeah, there's just yeah. a different buzz, isn't there? Like with mm. teams that know each other really well, there's a different buzz, a different level of dialogue. Um, you know, mm. Progress sometimes is achieved a lot quicker uh, because you, you know what each other expects. You, you're getting to know each other on a very, uh, on a human level. Yeah, if you and if you take that back to the mise en place uh, um, analogy, oh, so if it's <laughs> if it's not if the preparation hasn't been done yeah. and everyone doesn't know where they fit in, then you risk 
um, you know, making a really bad meal for someone or even maybe, you know, making people sick at some point mm. uh, because things aren't cooked in the right way or there's things mm. that are missing and it ends up being really bland, um, you know, or, or too spicy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's how can you how can you get that balanced right? Cool. Thanks for that, Noel. So, um, Noel, are there any particular tools or um, software that you've used that you think really supports a successful uh, delivery? Hmm. I don't like this question. <laughs> uh, I um sorry for my directness. Um yeah, I don't obviously there's a huge amount of tools and that provide a whole range of different things. Um for for me that's very secondary. Um I would never want to be led by a, a choice of tool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would never want a developer or a designer to be told what tool that they have to use in order to do their designs or to do their code. Um, yeah, so that that's a bit of a, of a trigger for me. I think, mm-hmm. obviously, there are tools that do support delivery and can help particular projects, but um, there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all yeah. And so, yeah, I would, that to me would come later um, yeah. and that would be very, should very much be driven by the team and what's appropriate for them. Well, I think that's a, a spot on answer. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> we you. planted that one now. <laughs> <I'm> testing you. <laughs> Did I get it right? Oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> we, want, we want to be able to give that message to our listeners that you, you need to get those fundamentals. Don't, do not be trapped by um, mm-hmm. the tools. It would, it would also be, again, going back to our, our culinary, culinary scenario, um, one day I'll be able to say that word okay. But um, <laughs> go, going back to that, it's almost like being um, uh, forgetting about the actual methods that you're using and the foundational things that you need for that particular recipe and focusing on the actual equipment instead. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, if you were trying to if you were trying to gut a fish with a bread knife, I imagine that would be <laughs> a bit difficult. Or if you were trying to cut a steak with a spoon, you know, it's just not the right tool for the job. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it would show itself. But before that, if you've actually got the idea for the amazing recipe, you've got all your sous chefs lined up. They're all on board. They're all batting for you. They're all enthusiastic. You're almost there. Then it's the topping in terms of the actual tooling that you're going to be using, right? Yeah, and it's the trust that yeah. they will know what's best. Mm. Um, you know, once you've all agreed on what you want as the end result and what you want, what all the ingredients are, then yeah, mm. it, you should have a whole range of tools available for that team to pick from. Agree. Mm. So, uh, mm. Noel, what's your key takeaway? Um, I really like Turkish takeaway at the moment. <laughs> you can tell we're all foodies, right? I know. It's not yeah. even nine oh. o'clock on a Sunday morning and we're like, oh, right. Exactly. We know what we're all going to do after this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so is there any key takeaway from the discussion that we've had for our listeners? In, yeah, so being being serious. <laughs> um, 
it's it's nothing new and it's nothing we haven't said already but being led by curiosity and collaboration is for me that is where my career really started to switch um it's where i was able to to feel a lot more relaxed and able to let go of a lot more of um kind of stress and tension that i was holding and pressure i was putting on myself um and where kind of depth of relationships with teams and with stakeholders really started to flourish so it, it might sound a bit fluffy um but in my experience once you develop that uh deep curiosity empathy and and you bring that humility into your day-to-day -day work it is a game changer I think that's uh, brilliant. Nisha, what's yours? Oh, I'm going to share a bit of wisdom which um, one of my mentors uh, shared with me when I was a, a junior scrum master and trying to get to grips with the whole delivery aspect of my job. Um, and that was your team knows the answers. And that itself is so freeing for a delivery manager to be able to stand back and be able to assess and understand all those ingredients that need to be in place, but take more of a, um, I think as, as Noel has said, a more of a facilitative role in be a, being able to identify, surface those ingredients, allow the team to, to really come into their own and bring them forward. Um, that would be mine. Mm, very wise words. Really good, really good. What about you, Sharon? So I think for me, I'm probably going to take the MVB. Um, yeah. That's the term that I've learned from Noel today. Um, and I think it is, as a PMO person, it is important to make sure that you've got the right balance of governance so that you are maintaining the right insightful controls, you're adding value and you're not constraining delivery. So I'm going to go with that. Love it. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks you so much for inviting me along. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really good fun. It's a great it's made one. Me really, it's made me really hungry, but it's... Uh... <laughs> it's all this talk of food and exactly. ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you've got a hearty breakfast lined up after this. No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great what you girls are doing and, you know, putting out there all these different ideas and talking about delivery delivery so openly is is great i think there's a lot to be said for what you're doing so well done keep it up oh no absolutely there's many um experiences that we can share uh, with those that are involved in this in the similar space that we are uh, hopefully that will that will spur people on to try new things yeah mm. and be curious there yeah <laughs> thanks for everything Noel. it's been great you're welcome. Noel, which platforms can people find you on if they're curious about anything that you've mentioned today, want to follow up and get some cracking great practices from you? Um, more than welcome to follow me or on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. And normally there'll be at least one post of content a week. Um, so I would say that's the best place. If it's more kind of visual stuff that you're interested in, then I do have an um, Instagram account called um, at Noel Sketchnotes. Let's think about that then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, LinkedIn for kind of professional stuff is, is great. Okay, and I've seen some of those sketch notes and summaries I, um, of, 
um, great books that you've read that can really help out. So I can testify they are awesome. Um, in terms of um, follow-ups and, and things like that, people can get hold of you on LinkedIn. That is perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, guys, look out for this video on all of our, um, on our YouTube channel. The, um, you'll be able to listen to it on Spotify as well. We are super excited to release this and we hope you get a lot out of it.